Hey guys, it's Matt here, and I got a story for you. When I was a kid, I was playing hockey, and oh man, there was this one year, this one team, we could not beat these guys. They were all over us. There were competitive games, though. They were tight, but we just could not beat them. And I remember the last game of the year, it was up against this team, and we were gearing up. We were like, we have to get these guys. When we won that last game, it was so satisfying because we finally got the victory over the team that had dummied us, that had dominated us for so long. I think this is the same thing with sexual brokenness, with sexual sin, where there's been brokenness in our lives and the enemy has come and taken ground and he's dominated us for so long, but we get to make a difference. We get to be part of a message and a a mission of freedom. It is such a cool opportunity. So I want to invite you, men and women of any age, to be part of the Action Squad. The Action Squad is something that we're putting together right now. We're looking for 100 people to be on the Action Squad. There's going to be some competitive nature to it. There's prizes. And we're going to work together to help produce a documentary that is literally going to change the world. We're featuring stories of sexual brokenness, of people who have been restored and redeemed, reconciled to God and to people in their their lives. And we're going to feature these stories in this world-class documentary that will be a resource for churches to host movie nights, for small small groups to watch together, for families to watch and be inspired by. And it's going to highlight the problem in the church, but also show the, the power of God that is at work when we bring this stuff to light. And so if you want to be part of the Action Squad and help us put this documentary together, I would love for you to go to restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. You can watch a 10-minute video there that I put together on what it can look like for you to join us in this mission and be part of putting this documentary together. So restoredministries.ca slash Action Squad. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Pure Victory Podcast, full of hot tips to help you win at sex, conquer porn, and find purpose in staying free forever. Here are your hosts, Matt Klein and Braden Hafner. Hey, 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 welcome back to the Pure Victory Podcast. Matt and Braden here, and uh, we are back with Sathya Sam, and I hope that you listened to last week's episode. If you didn't, definitely go back and listen to it. Uh, you, well, you could do it now, or you could do it after you listen to this one. Um, but sathya has got such good stuff. He's a new author. His book is called The Last Relapse. And uh, man, I'm seeing a lot of amazing testimonies. I'm, I'm going to buy it soon. I haven't done it yet, but I keep seeing these testimonies. I'm like, I got to learn from Sathya. And so I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna pick this book up uh, right away to be one of the next ones that, that I read for sure. And uh, thanks for everything that you do, Sathya, with your book and your social media and your podcast and and especially with the guys that you work intimately you're having uh intimately with you're having such a good impact so thanks for what you're doing for the lord and for guys oh thanks man no i feel the same way about what you guys are doing here and restored ministries and all of it man it's just fun to fun to be part of this journey and uh, matt you and i have talked about this before but like it, the the issue of pornography brad and what you're doing with marriages especially these are like widespread societal issues that are i, I would say quite systemic mm-hmm. There's no way we're going to tackle this thing alone. You know, like we need all the help we can get. We have to link arms. So I love what you guys are doing. I love that we can kind of be on this together. It's, it's fun. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's great being on the team. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So last, last time we chatted with you about kind of those five core principles that um, uh, for the, for long-term recovery, um, the principle stack. And this week though, we wanted to talk with you about kind of those three pillars of recovery that you've, you've kind of built everything around. Um, so let's yeah. just talk about that. What are those three pillars and maybe starting with the first one? Yeah. So the three pillars are building self-awareness, healing of the heart and establishing your identity in Christ. 
So we've kind of built our system for recovery around these three pillars. They're purposely in that order for a reason, which you'll kind of find out as we go through. But we've just, we've tried to kind of distill it down. I think there's so many different angles to recovery. You can take more of a clinical angle, an academic angle, the spiritual angle. Um, I don't know. There's, there's all kinds of different ways to go about it. I don't think anything is better than the other. Some are going to be more effective depending on the individual. But for us, we've just distilled that like generally, whether your approach involves neuroscience, the Bible, uh, academia, or something in between, yeah, there's a pretty good chance that these three pillars will be a part of the process. Yeah, they are for sure. And I mean, the principles, the principles that we need to live by that you talked about last week, they're consistent too. I mean, whether you're talking about biblically neuroscience, neuroscience, uh, anything in our work and our money. And so there are consistent principles for sure. And, um, you know, self-awareness is so key. A lot of times, I mean, we don't ever know our hearts and our minds as well as the Lord does, but, um, but yeah. a lot of times, especially when people have been in addiction for so long, it's like people can go decades, never consider why am I doing this? Um, because we never <laughs> stop and slow down to think and, and to pray about that. And so what do you think has been the key before we get into the, to diving into each one? What do you think has been the key um, to having these principles to help guys versus what if you took guys on a journey and didn't have these principles in place? Yeah. You mean like the, these pillars here that we're talking the about? Pillars, today, yeah, sorry, the pillars. Yeah. Sorry. No, no, that's fine. I think, I think you would maybe, you'd maybe figure it out. Uh, that, that would be like probably the best I could give you. I think these three pillars, like when I look at what you do, Matt, and what you talk about or anybody, any of our colleagues who are in this space, I think most of them involve these three pillars to some degree. They're just kind of the, I don't know, the essence or the fundamental elements that are needed for recovery. I think without them, you still might figure it out. It's just going to be a lot harder. Uh, there's a lot more guesswork involved. Or you risk only patching up, let's say, 80% of it, where you can you can have freedom for maybe even a long time, but still the risk of relapse. So I, th I think it's maybe just not as comprehensive if it doesn't involve all three of these pillars we're about to go into. Right. Now that you've said that, Let's get into that first one and why that matters. Yeah, so pillar number one is self-awareness. Each pillar comes with a mantra, and the mantra for self-awareness is that if you are not aware, it cannot be repaired. And exactly what you were saying, Matt, there's so much going on within us, and if we don't have the awareness and we don't build that habit of just tuning into what's actually going on within we're a little bit helpless, actually. We lack the necessary intel to really make important adjustments into our life. So cultivating self-awareness is a huge part of it. It, it means sort of uh, being able to identify the emotions going on, the thinking patterns, the belief systems, the paradigms, the perceptions, all, all the stuff that's going on within. And I, this is a very biblical concept. I mean, you have statements like Jesus where he says, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The idea that what's happening externally is first happening internally. Um, you know, the Sermon on the Mount, he says, judge not, judge not others, lest ye be judged. The idea that, hey, you're, however you look at yourself, however you judge your own self, is likely going to determine the lenses that you see other people through. It all starts within. It all starts with how we see ourselves and how we monitor our inner life. And so this this part is a really big deal because a lot of people are like, oh yeah, you know, I, I watched porn because I, I got triggered. I felt tempted. Um, you know, they, they can tell you what I would say is very surface level self-awareness, but when it's like, oh, actually I'm harboring some resentment towards my wife from an argument we had, I'm really stressed. We've been working on a project. I haven't been coping with stress. Well, when you can start to dig a little bit deeper into what's actually going on within, that's when you can actually start to make some legitimate changes in your life. So that's why everything starts here with self-awareness. 
Yeah, you know, I might be going a little bit too deep here, and maybe I can share this fuller another time. But, um, but a few a few months ago, there was a there was something that came up where I I realized that I w- I was asked in a survey if I was ever sexually violated, and I would have said no, but then it described what sexual violations are, and and what and a memory came to me when I was a teenager, and it was in there and so I was like oh man I never never identified this before and so in the survey it said are you were you sexually violated it said yes or no and I just quickly hit yes and then I moved on to the next question and I I saw myself like hiding from it and quickly just like skimming over it and I stopped and I was like well what what was that and so I started praying more about that and being more aware and then I shared that with one of the groups that that I'm running with Pure Freedom and one of the other guys was like I'm so glad that you shared that 50 years ago I had the same experience and I never put words to it and now he's able to wow. see how it's been affecting him and I'm able to see how it affected me I've been talking through it with my wife it's so interesting how I had no awareness of how this thing affected me and so a lot of times it even goes back to memories and the beliefs that we got from these memories that we've carried with us and it just became our normal but the lord's like man i want you to be aware that that doesn't have to be your normal and so i want to highlight that to you so i love that that's one of the first pillars or the first pillar that you have in your recovery process yeah yeah it's a it's a really big deal and i mean the the funny thing is like i i i use an, this example very often like because we're, we're all busy we all have stressful lives um whether you're single married with kids whatever it might be and you know you typically will have a guy who he's he's busy he works hard. He gets home from work. Let's imagine like uh, a couple little kids running around. The wife is like, hey, sweetheart, um, welcome home. Great to see you. Uh, why don't you kick your feet up? I'm about to make dinner. We'll eat together. They eat dinner together. Uh, the kids go off and play afterwards. He goes to the living room, turns on the TV. He's just chilling. He had a stressful day, you know, like things didn't go great with a work project or whatever. And, uh, and so, you know, the wife puts the kids to bed. She comes in, Hey, I'm going to go to bed in a bit. You want to come join me? He goes, ah, oh, yeah, sure. I'll join you you know, in a few minutes. And, uh, you know, a few minutes leads to 10, 15 minutes. He scrolls on his phone. One thing leads to another and he watches porn. And we look at that example and we're like, oh, bro, you should have just gone to bed when your wife came and invited you out. And I'm like, 100%. But actually what you should have done is learn how to manage stress better from work. That's right. Like the further back you go down that change, uh, that chain rather, the more effective you're going to be in actually making some changes to your life. So I think that that self-awareness is just going, it's trying to, it's trying to get as ahead of it as you possibly can so that you're not caught between a rock and a hard place. That's what a lot of guys are asking. Like when I'm tempted, what should I be doing? I'm like, we can talk about that. Like there's a couple like easy things to get you out. But what we really want to do is build enough self-awareness so that you can actually stop yourself from getting to those situations in the first place. So Matt, what you're articulating there is, is really powerful, man. Yeah, it's true. And then and then you get triggered less when you're self-aware. Like yeah, people exactly. are like, oh, I get tempted or triggered. It's like you can actually control to a degree how often you get tempted or how often you get triggered. You can't really control when they come from the outside. But like a lot of the temptation comes from these inner things that we haven't dealt with. And so it's encouraging yeah. to hear that, oh, you can go like actually quite a long time and not get tempted and not get triggered when you can understand how to deal with stress or whatever the, the underlying issue is. So I appreciate what you're saying. Yeah, this is... Um, a big piece because I think that we've been groomed, you know, uh, as far as far as our society and our culture goes to kind of be skin skin deep in regards to our 
um, our depth as a person. You know, we the inner life isn't something that we really look at. Uh, specifically, you know, our motivations, our desires, and what's going on, or in regards to that, what what it's linked to in our life, our past, our present. You know, what's going on there. And often we uh, we're no more than the sum of our desires and our uh, our sorry our 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 surface level stuff, right? And so we think that's who we are. We think that, you know, we talked about victimhood a little bit last podcast. Um, you know, we, yeah. we respond to things or react to things without really understanding what's going on. And so that self-awareness is is, is a key thing. Um, have you noticed, Sophia, that um, because we've kind of been groomed in that, it's, it's, it's a difficult kind of path to traverse, um, especially guiding and leading others in this, because, I mean, we've been getting the messaging for so long uh, in regards to, you know, that that's kind of how we are. We don't really build self-awareness. Um, maybe we look around and we react to things. Um, so have you found that? Have you found this is a, this is something where you kind of have to kind of reboot our cultural understanding and our, of ourselves and our identity and what's going on around us? Yeah, a little bit for sure. It's, it's hard to, uh, convince people of its value, but I think once you, once people do see it and they, they see how it actually changes people's lives, they pick it up very quickly. Like, I think we're all naturally pretty good at recognizing patterns within ourselves. But uh, again, especially for guys, like if guys aren't getting the permission to go there, then you basically just have this skill that lays dormant. So I, I have a client of mine. He he's been struggling with porn for a, a long time. He's younger, a uh, young engineer, but maybe, maybe 15 years. And, um, and so, you know, we started off and I, guys are always so ashamed when they come to these calls and they're like, yeah, I had a slip. I know I started the program. I shouldn't be slipping anymore. And it's like, actually, we never told you that. Like you're allowed to slip. It's okay. And actually I'd rather you have slips now and we can actually figure it out. So, so, you know, he's all embarrassed and I'm like, okay, well, let's just keep an eye on it, but just start writing down when it happens. He's like, okay, no problem. And it turns out that actually most of his slips were happening at night. So I was like, okay, what device? Well, my phone, obviously. Yeah, obviously, of course. So I was like, okay, well, charge your phone in a different room. And he was like, what? I was like, yeah, I can do that. He's like, right, of course. Okay, got it. Yeah, I'm going to charge my phone in a different room. And uh, he hasn't watched porn in two and a half months. I, I think that's where he's at now. Some, it might be longer. But, um, but you know, it's just, it's just those little things, right? That again, like once he was able to start connecting the dots, it's no problem. Uh, in our last call, he was identifying that um, there's, there's a particular like room in the house where he just seems to get really triggered. So he's just stopped working there. That's where he was like primarily working because he works from home right now. So he is now he, like a little bit of help, I guess, initially helping him kind of get in tune. But now he's starting to pick up on his patterns and he's making adjustments on his own. So I, I think everybody has the ability, but sometimes they just need a little bit of a, a push kind of convincing that this is actually going to help you. Oh, it's encouraging because I, I always think about this word addiction and I'm like, well, Kelly, our female coach, she's like, that's not in the Bible. Addiction is not in the Bible. I'm like, yeah, it's true. It's not. So I, th I think about this. I mean, there is addictive tendencies and there's addictive things in our brains, all that. But it's like when we're addicted, we feel like it's so out of control. And sometimes we just need to put our phone in another room and it's like we can have two and a half months. So how addicted are we really? Maybe we're just in bondage because we're believing lies and we're not taking responsibility. And so rather than identifying as an addict, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm actually a child of God, but I've made poor decisions. And sometimes making nice. right decisions and being a little bit more aware is more aware is so important and makes a difference. Yeah. And um, yeah, I love it. So first pillar, building self-awareness. And what is number two, your pillars of recovery? Okay, second pillar is healing of the heart. 
And our mantra here is he who is most vulnerable heals the quickest. He or she. We're not just talking about guys, obviously. But um, but the idea here is that uh, getting healthy in your heart is really about transparency. And vulnerability, I, I'm, I'm struggling to use the word vulnerability these days because it's become mainstream. And anytime a word becomes mainstream, usually its definition is diluted a little bit. But when I say vulnerability, what I really mean is just the conscious effort and the conscious choice to be seen, known, and understood. So, you know, we always kind of joke that like, People can can sign up for our programs, which is great. They come to the groups. But if you if you go to a porn addiction recovery group and you're like, yeah, I watched porn today or I watched porn this week or whatever it is, that doesn't actually require a lot of vulnerability because like it's understood that you're yeah. struggling with porn. You yeah. sharing that is not particularly vulnerable. But let's talk a little bit about some of the thoughts that were going on. Let's talk about maybe some parts of your past that haven't been resolved yet, working through traumas. It, it encompasses all of this with the idea of I'm going to be more aware of, of my inner healing journey. Uh, I'm going to work through parts of my past. And for us, the, the landing part usually is forgiveness. Matt, you and I have, have had tons of discussions about forgiveness. I love your take on it. And uh, for me, it's it's the one like irrefutable biblical concept that I see around healing of the heart that for me was massively impactful. And I won't take up too much time explaining it, but uh, just a little bit of context. My, um, I grew up in an Indian household. So my parents are both Indian, had an arranged marriage to each other. Actually, it's a, it's a crazy story. Um, they, they met each other for about 10 minutes before they agreed to get married. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, totally wild. Um, so my, my parents are both, I would say on the more like uh, shy, timid, reserved kind of personality types, and my mom in particular. So I, I, did, I don't know, I was early 20s, struggling with porn, getting some freedom, but not tons. And I was in a Sozo session. I don't know, have you guys ever done Sozo before? Yeah, I love it. With it. Okay, so, cool. Yeah, Sozo, so Sozo, Sozo for people who don't know, Sozo is like an inner healing thing where you just listen for the Lord and, and the Lord reveals things in your heart and, and you can close doors that have been open to lies and beliefs and it's amazing. So it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So I was, I was, I hit a bit of a wall. I think, um, I was, I was a local church pastor at the time, hit a bit of a wall and felt like I needed a sozo or something. So I go into the session. I am still struggling with pornography at the time as well. And, um, and so anyways, the guy starts poking around about my relationship with my mom and I can feel all these walls starting to come up, you know? And, uh, and he's, but he's being very gentle. Like he's, he wasn't doing anything wrong. He just, you know, he found the right spot kind of thing. And, uh, and I, I forget what he had asked, but I suddenly realized that my mom's reserved personality uh, caused me to grow up with this sense of neglect, like feeling neglected by my mom. And not that she was neglectful, like she was present and she took care of me and everything else, but just feeling like I didn't get love from her in the way I would have liked it in a way that really communicated love to me. And I grew up with this lingering sense of neglect. And all of a sudden, like, you know, just one of those moments where you, you, somebody says something or you get a revelation and like a thousand dots connect at once. And it was like, well, duh, if I grew up feeling neglected by my maternal figure, then doesn't it make sense that I would chase girls or look to porn or seek something else out that was going to kind of compensate for that deficiency, that lack of affection that I had perceived. So anyways, we're talking it through those session and just kind of processing through it. And again, we reached this place of forgiveness. Like, are you ready to forgive your mom for that? And for me, there was no, I wasn't even aware of it. So it wasn't like it was something I had like labored over and I had all this built up resentment. It was like, oh my gosh, I didn't even know that was there. Let's forgive her. And when I did forgive her, I just remember walking out feeling the difference. 
And just like something had, had shifted in me and I still got tempted, but I had a little bit more control, like a little bit more resiliency, like the gap was a bit wider. Um, I saw myself a bit differently and I just felt like I think I had lived so long with that underlying kind of need for female attention and affection and to, to be relieved of that from that session and from that moment that happened. Um, it was like a whole new world. And so I, I had, a, I think maybe one or two relapses, but after, after that moment, that was when things really changed and um, the rest was kind of history. So that's why this healing thing for me is a really big deal. Mm, so interesting. Cause I think that often, you know, when we're battling porn, we're so focused on the surface level behavior of the activity of masturbating, looking at porn. And we're not looking at the underlying things because porn is just kind of the, the symptom of something deeper that's going on. And we go mm -hmm. to that to mask that or not feel something or avoid or whatever, go down the list. And uh, how true is that? I mean, I, I understand what you're saying because it's often in sometimes we're, we're willing to admit that, hey, I, I struggle with porn and masturbation. And sometimes these groups are talking about, but when instance someone probes, maybe a group leader or, or ask questions that go deeper, now there's some skin in the game and we don't really want to do that. Right? Yeah. And uh, I totally yeah. get that. Cause man, I think it was harder for me to address the underlying issues than it was to say that I, I struggle with porn and masturbate. Um, right. you know, even though there was shame surrounding that to really get in depth with it, like you're talking about with your mom, I had something similar to that, you know, with my past and brokenness in my family, didn't want to go there. Right. Like, I'm like, why would we go there? That doesn't make sense. That's not my problem when it really was, that was really what was going on that I needed to deal with. So I think that's yeah. such a key thing, right? Is, is dealing with those underlying things that really God is trying to touch and forgiveness is such an important component of that. And often we're not willing to do that because we don't want to make that choice. We want to hold on to it. It's what we know, you know, it's our, it's our normal. Yeah. There was a guy in our, in our, in pure freedom lately. So the, I love that you're talking about it's not really that vulnerable to say that you watch porn when you're in a porn recovery group. It's so true. It's almost a cover word. It's like actually the more vulnerable thing sometimes is the fantasies that mm -hmm. we deal with. And then also like what are the things that we have shame about that maybe aren't even sexual? And there was a guy uh, recently in our group. I met, man, I was so proud of him. He he was talking about, I mean, he's obviously had a struggle with porn. His, his thing has been same-sex porn. So that creates an added level of shame for him where it's, uh, you know, he's a married guy and so uh, loves his wife, loves right. the Lord. But it's one thing to say porn. It's another thing to say same-sex porn. But then, like months later, he starts saying, yeah, you know, when I was young, I ate dog food because I was so, I was a big kid and we didn't have enough food in our house. And my mom gave me little portions and I would just go searching for food and I would end up eating dog food. And I've only ever told one person this. And I have shame when I say it. And then he's talking another wow. week about his memories. And he's like, I've literally never told anybody this, but I think about it all the time. Like I think about that memory wow. and think about how I'm weird and like, well, why would I want to do that? And so I was like, man, this is so cool that you're getting this out because we can affirm you and we can have lead you to even forgive yourself and welcome the Lord into that moment. And what does God say about you? And it's so cool to be vulnerable and go like, what's on my heart? Maybe something that I consistently think that I've just never thought of telling. It's just been kind of yeah. my normal not that we hide it, but we just never think about it. And so when you can be super vulnerable with those things, oh man, there's so much healing that comes to the heart. And so that's been a cool one that you do, you just kind of brought to mind with what you're saying. But uh, yeah. it's been really cool to see his journey on that and different guys, obviously, as well. 
Yeah, well, it, it goes a long way, I think, because you're right, there's sort of like different avenues, like there's the obvious vulnerability about the content you're watching and everything that sort of just comes with your sexuality. I totally agree. And th that's why I shared the story about my mom, as far as like, there are vulnerable things that are not sexual at all. Um, in Indian culture, like to even just to talk about like, discord or dysfunction in your home is kind of frowned upon, right? Like I, I realized that in North American culture, Western culture, we're talking now tons about trauma and parts of our past and we're getting more permission to go there. But that was really vulnerable for me to even just talk about it with another person about a shortcoming of my parents, because you just generally don't do that. Like that was really vulnerable for me. Mm. And I think the other side of vulnerability that people are really missing in today's society is the good things. Like what are the good things that you're doing as well? Because being transparent means that everybody sees the good and the bad, right? So we, of course, like, it, it, I understand why we're emphasizing the parts of us that are broken, because those have been hidden for so long, we haven't been given permission to go there. But we shouldn't negate the great parts of us as well. People need to see that. And we need to make sure that we're talking about those things as well. It's, it's all encompassed in this big word vulnerability. So uh, I'm glad you mentioned that, guys. That was really helpful. And the other thing with uh, with going deeper with this is often, I don't know if it was the same for you with your mom, but a lot of times when you look at your fantasy and your, the type of fantasy that you consistently struggle with, that points to a to a heart issue or to to neglect. You're talking about neglect. There's There's been multiple guys that we've worked with that it was a similar situation to you where they felt there was, there was neglect from their mom or not even neglect, but like she just didn't, she loved them, but not in the way that they wanted. And so they didn't feel nurturing. Mm. And so they always went to fantasies about older women or women in authority and uh, fantasizing about teachers or different things. And so it, it, it's, and watching that kind of porn. And so a lot of times when we say like, yeah, I watch porn, it, it's like, it goes deeper to go, and this is the kind of porn. And this is why I was craving that. And like, I don't, or, or like, I don't really know why I'm craving it, but this is consistent. So it must be showing something. And so there's a real yeah. power in healing the heart in being vulnerable. Yeah. Just, just to add real quick. Um, I use the example with my mom often because if you look year over year at the most popular search terms for porn websites, the top porn websites, mom content is always top five. Yeah. So like it's a, it's a real thing. Like that, that dynamic you're talking about, Matt is very real. Yeah. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah. So what's the third yeah. pillar of recovery that you take people through? Okay. So the third is establishing your identity in Christ. And the mantra here is that I would rather be a hundred percent my true self and rejected than 99% my true self and accepted. And the idea here is that we are instilling a sense of bold authenticity in people as they start to heal up, as they start to become more aware of themselves, what's going on within, they begin to love themselves more, accept themselves more, and ultimately be more of themselves in the world, in whatever it is that God's called them to. And I think when you really start to see yourself the way that God has designed you, uh, the way he's made you, it's one of the most exciting things in the world. So for me, this is definitely uh, the most exciting part of the recovery journey is when people start to kind of rediscover their calling and their passions, and they start to build that sense of confidence. Like, I can actually do this. I can actually step into it. One of the first guys we had go through the program, his long-term goal was just to be involved in ministry. He felt like it was on his life. He was mid-30s, a single man. He was, a, he was scared to get into a relationship. Um, he was scared to pursue any church opportunities because he had this problem with porn, and he didn't want to get exposed. He didn't want it to hinder him. And when he reached this part of the recovery journey, uh, it was so cool, actually, because 
he he was starting to warm up to the idea of like, you know, I think I could actually get more involved with my church. Like I'm starting to feel ready to do that. I have a bit more of a, a handle on the situation here. And he said people would start to come up to him at church after the service or whatever and ask him for advice. And they had never done that before. But they could see the difference in this guy. They saw the leader that was there all along, but now it was more visible. It was emanating from him because of the work that he had done. And so he was naturally, without even knocking on a door, stepping into those things that God had called him into. He's now on staff at that church. Mm -hmm. And his senior uh, leader travels for about half of the year. So that half of the year when he travels, he actually runs the church. Like he's literally stepped into Mm -hmm. that calling on his life. He he also serves part-time on our team as a coach. And and I think that's what I mean when I talk about just stepping into your true self, really embracing that person God's made you to be without any kind of apology. Right. And I, wow, that's, that's powerful to hear that story. And I think that, I, I think it gives a lot of hope, right? Because often when we're, we're looking at the veneer of our life and often it is a veneer because we try and work so hard at crafting this, this, um, appearance and it's exhausting because that's what we think people want. We think that's what we need to do so that we can step into these things. We got to look a certain way, have the right personality, sound in a certain way. Right. And it's just not going to work because there's no substance to it. It's really surface level. But when we understand our identity and it's kind of an inside out kind of approach because our identity, man, when we understand our identity in Christ, that forms so much of our belief system, our understanding of who we are, who Jesus is and the call that he's put on each of our lives. And if you're listening out there, I'm just going to be very clear to you. You have a call on your life. And uh, us talking right now, we don't know what that is, but God does. And he's working in your life right now. Um, and there yeah. is something specific for you. You're created and loved by your heavenly father. And there's a purpose and a plan for you. And so understanding these things is one of the keys. I totally believe that for, for Matt and I, this is one of the big ones that had us moving in freedom um, from away from porn. Because when we understood that, it just changed so much for us. And I know this for me speaking specifically. Um, it just, it was transformative in ways that I couldn't do on my own. Um, and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I think that's so key. And when we have that understanding, that mindset, um, it frees us up in so many ways and allows us to, you know, just release so much of the burdens that we're carrying to God because he's the one who should carry these. And, uh, you know, I think that's such a powerful thing. So, I mean, we could probably talk for hours on oh, this yeah. one. Hey, Oh, I love identity. <laughs> yeah. You guys know that. <laughs> so, so Cynthia, when somebody's struggling with their thoughts, what they say about themselves, how do you, how do you work with them and getting them established in even their thinking about how God views them? Yeah. Well, I think there's two questions you have to answer with the identity subject. The first is the obvious one. Who are you? But I I always like to give the second question, which is who told you, because I think that really matters. And um, we we always use the example of like Jesus in the wilderness when he's tempted and how before he was led into the wilderness, he was, of course, baptized. He gets the statement from the father. You're my beloved son in you. I'm well pleased. And that becomes his identity statement that is then challenged by the enemy. Like, Like the enemy goes, if you are the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And I think a lot of people think the temptation there is for Jesus to turn the stones into bread, when in reality, the temptation is actually for Jesus to believe that he has to prove himself. And I think think you can resist those kinds of, of temptations, or you can start to cultivate and craft who you really are 
when not only not only you've heard the truth that you are a, a beloved son or daughter of God and in you he's well pleased, but when you've actually heard it from the voice of the Father. So uh, a huge emphasis of what we teach earlier in the program, in the self, uh, um, self-awareness self part of the program, we teach people how to hear God. We teach people how to journal and how to really tune into that still small voice so that when they get to this part where they're trying to figure out what is my calling, what is my purpose, what actually makes me a valuable human being on God's planet, they're actually hearing it straight from Him. They're, they're hearing the truth from Him. And I think that that's what really impacts the heart. That's what really shapes it. And it, it's maybe not as simple as just having a journal entry where God says, I love you, uh, you're my son and you, I'm well pleased. There might be a little bit more to it than that. Uh, but to me, that's kind of the, the seed form of it that then gets built out over time. I love it. That's powerful. I love the question, who told you? It's uh, that is really powerful, and when you when you identify who told you, I think it'd be pretty cool to even repent of that, like repent of agreeing with that, and putting that in a yes. place of authority over mm-hmm. the voice of God in your life, right. and maybe forgive that person if it's something. Forgive yourself if it's something that you've spoken over yourself. Uh, I, I love that you, that you have people go back to who told you. I think in the in the in the Bible, like there's all these name changes, right? Like Abram to Abraham and. Mm-hmm. Um, Jacob to Israel and Simon to Peter and all these name changes and and every at every point it's like the meaning of the name is a negative to then a positive and God's always going to keep it was a negative but now you're a positive and the only time mm-hmm. in the Bible where a name change goes from positive to negative is in the book of Ruth where Naomi goes don't call me Naomi anymore call me Mara because God has dealt bitterly with me Mara is is like bitter. She's going from Naomi, which is a positive, to to Mara, which is a negative. But she's changing her name herself. God didn't change her name. And so when huh. we speak negatively about ourselves, we're not agreeing with God. He goes negative to positive. We go positive to negative. And so God speaks over us, and we're like, no, no, that can't be true. I'm just an addict. I'm just a failure and a disappointment. And so right. we need to repent of that and agree with what with what God says about us. And I think a large key of that is like, who told you that? Who told you? And I love that you bring that to light. That's so good. Yeah. I mean, we always say like you, if, if your identity is defined by your boss, you know, like I'm a great employee or I'm an executive director or whatever it is, um, that can change. Like he, he could change his mind. Your right. role could change. So it's just, it's always a risky game when we hedge our identity in something that we do. Or I think just something that's defined by basically anybody other than God, you know, even somebody as reliable as a spouse, I mean, the divorce rate's high enough for us to know, hey, that actually might not be your best bet either. And I think it's just, there's something powerful when you when you really lean into God and you really hear his voice. And Matt, you've touched on it now a couple of times, but this whole like a, a language around addiction is really, really interesting. We personally, like, I don't mind using the word addiction because I think people can understand I have an addiction. We don't use the word addict Mm -hmm. because I think as long as you call yourself an addict, like what else would an addict do, but stay addicted? That's right. Like the, like there's always behaviors that come with that identity statement. And we want to make sure that the identity statement is so concrete and so solid that it, it leads us down a path away from addiction, away from any of those kind of toxic behaviors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those labels, right. That we can, take on ourselves, right? That maybe the world said, yeah. or we're believing, or we've started to, you know, really say ourselves and adopt for, for ourselves. And, you know, I think that's so key to identify those as we're talking about. And, you know, instead form the opinion of what God is saying about us, because how key is that in, in moving forward? Um, if we believe we're an addict, 
it's really hard to receive from God that we're something different. Um, and yeah. Um, so what are some things Cynthia, just, uh, maybe just share with us, uh, you know, if we do believe some of these things, how do we move away from them? You know, what are some things that we can do to, to move away from those labels maybe that we've taken on? Yeah, I, th- I think uh, what Matt was talking about earlier was actually pretty powerful. Like just even repenting, renouncing some of those things is a really good starting point. Just calling those lies out for what they really are. And the the ultimate solution here is to really implant the truth. And it it does take time. So my, my little thing around like the truth is it always comes in seed form. It starts as a seed. Um, it takes root when you agree with it. It grows as you repeat it and it bears fruit when you act on it. And that progression takes time. It takes time to reach that place. So I think for, for people who are like, yeah, I know that the way I'm seeing myself is really flawed. Um, for starters, give yourself some grace. Um, secondly, find find some truths. I, I would start going through the, the scriptures. You could probably go through the archives on this podcast. I'm, I'm sure you guys have done some great content on it. Uh, there's places where you can kind of get the ball rolling and start planting those seeds. The most powerful thing, what this always needs to lead to is action. The, the most powerful thoughts in our mind are the most, I should say, the most implanted and influential thoughts in our minds are the ones that we've acted on. So beginning to act on the truth, even sometimes when you're like, I don't feel like it, I don't know if I fully believe it, but acting on it, it really accelerates that process of, I would say, crystallizing the truth within you. And I'll come at this from a different angle as well. One of my mentors in ministry school, he said, how you see God determines who you become. And so I think oftentimes when we have a hard time loving and accepting ourselves, it is revealing areas of God that we are yet to understand. And sometimes one of the best things you can do for yourself just to love yourself more, to grow in your identity and your sense of self is just to simply get to know God better because you're made in his image. So if you get to know him better, you see him for who he's truly worth. You cannot help but fall more in love with yourself as well in in a very healthy and godly kind of way. So those would be two things people can do as a kind of practical starting point. I love that. Fall in, fall in love with yourself. It's so true. And you have to, and it sounds contradictory. Like you shouldn't love yourself, but this thing about, you know, you're an addict or I'm a recovering addict and I haven't watched porn for 20 years. It's like, man, you, we're trying to be humble. We're trying to be like, Oh, I can, I'm I identify with my weakness, but actually the most humbling thing in the world is being identified as the child of God who is free in his eyes, who is beloved by him. It's the most humbling thing in the world. And how could you not fall in love with who you are when you're made in the image of God and he's starting to reveal, reveal your gold that he's put in you? It's uh, it's yeah. pretty cool. So I love that you touched on that, Cynthia. You've got such good stuff and wisdom and so much for people to take advantage of. And so I'd love for you to share again where uh, where people could find you and your resources yeah, so the book's called The Last Relapse. That's our blueprint for recovery. That's helped hundreds of guys get free. Uh, we also have a daily podcast called Unleash the Man Within. And if uh, people want to just find other resources, we have a blog. We have an online community. There's a couple other ways people can plug in. The website is getadeepclean.com. Thanks, Cynthia. Um, once again, we really appreciate you taking the time. And um, for all you listening out there, I hope you gave this, this gave you some hope and maybe some action steps that we talked about, maybe some things that you can do. And so we encourage you in that, whatever that is, whatever God's revealing to you um, as we've been speaking and, and talking with Cynthia, you know, maybe reach out too. If you're wanting to understand more, reach out to him, reach out to us. You know, we're here um, and to, to help along that journey that you're on as well as best we can. Thank you all for listening and um, we'll check in with you next week. Thanks for listening. 
If you would like to hear more, please visit purevictorypodcast.com to subscribe. This podcast was made possible by the generous donations of our subscribers. If you would like to help support the cause financially, once again, please visit purevictorypodcast.com.